Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be listening to God alone. Let's begin in Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, beginning in the 11th verse, it says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia, and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the most important phrase in this passage is immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. God had called Paul on his mission to preach the gospel, and now the very first thing that he did was to make up his mind to not confer with anyone under any circumstances. He didn't wait around before making this decision. It says he immediately did it. He knew in his spirit what was right, and then he did it. He acted on it, and he acted with a sense of urgency. And he had this sense of urgency already from before he had met Christ. In verse 14, when he was speaking about what he had done in the past, He said, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. This urgency served him well after he met Christ. The word confer is defined as an intransitive verb, meaning to discourse, to converse, to consult together, implying conversation on some serious or important subject in distinction from mere talk or a light familiar conversation. It comes from the Latin root word meaning to bear, to bring forth, to show, to declare. There's a number of different ways that people confer with flesh and blood. We're going to look at a few of them today. We need to do the same. We need to make the choice today to confer not with flesh and blood and to listen to God alone. In Jude verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. When God gives us a mission to spread the gospel and to give the word of God, like he's given to each of us today as his servants, and when we know that 
and understand it in our spirit. We can't allow ourselves to make the mistake of conferring with flesh and blood. When we do this, it opens up the door for people with bad intentions or without our best interests at heart to lie to us and to deceive us and even in many cases to lead us astray. We need to be extremely careful who we allow to speak into our lives and even more careful when it comes to the mission that God has given us. When we don't understand something about the mission and need clarity or if we need encouragement and strength, we should go to God. God can and God will supply all of our needs. If we go to man instead of to God, it becomes easy for our message to become watered down in order to please people. It becomes easier for us to lose our zeal and our sense of urgency because there's always someone else that we should talk to first. And it becomes easier for our message to become fundamentally changed, to fit with man's foot and man's way of thinking, and worst of all, man's so-called revelations. This is what we find happened in the book of Jude. Verse 4 says, For there are certain men crept in unaware, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to be the caretakers of the message and the caretakers of the mission that we're given. When God gives it, it's pure. It's the way that he wants it. If we then allow men to come in, they can begin to corrupt it and pollute it because they're under their sinful fallen human nature. Paul knew the dangers that fallen mankind posed to his message and his mission. This is why he said in Galatians 1 and 11 to 12, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Man didn't give him his mission. Man didn't create his message. And he made up his mind that he wasn't going to allow man to influence it in any way. He was going to stay tuned in to the voice of God and allow the Lord alone to guide him. We find that Paul made no exceptions at all for his rule to confer not. When he first received his call from God, he didn't even go to speak to the disciples. Verse 17 says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. This shows the intensity of his commitment to only listen to God. It was this time alone that he spent speaking to and hearing from God that made the difference in his ministry. This was the reason why Paul was such a success. Then three years later, after he grew in faith and grew in discernment and wisdom, he went to speak to the apostles. By this time, he was strong enough to stay the course of his mission, not wavering, no matter what men had to say about it. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in the 17th verse, it says, And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and said, Go, and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them, until they be consumed. Wherefore then did thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. And I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, 
Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in the obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. We find another reason in this chapter why it's so important that we confer not with flesh and blood. Saul was a people pleaser. He was afraid to receive any criticism. This is why during his confession in verse 24, he said, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Instead of just doing what he knew the Lord had called him to do, he turned aside to confer with people. He wanted their opinions, but even more importantly, he wanted their approval. It's been said that if you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. This is the case with many Christians. God has given them an assignment, but they're too afraid of what people might say about it. It's not inability that keeps them back from doing the will of God, and it's not even a lack of faith. It's purely a fear of criticism. The devil tries to use this fear to birth timidity within the people of God. This makes us too afraid to try and holds us back from doing the will of God. Conferring with flesh and blood is done when we seek out criticism or just hear it and then allow it to change our course of direction. Aristotle once said, To avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. This is what the enemy wants. He wants us to be so afraid of criticism and so bound by the timidity that that fear creates in us that we become paralyzed and never say what needs to be spoken and never do what needs to be done and worst of all, never become who God wants us to become. They never build statues to critics. This is because they are always so busy criticizing everyone else that they never accomplish anything themselves. They never say anything. They never do anything. And because of that, they never become anything. When we know that God has spoken to us and that we've heard from him, there is no reason at all to consult with other people. What can man tell you about your mission or purpose that God has not already put within you? We should not worry at all about what people are going to say when we're doing the work of the Lord. We only need to obey in faith and trust that God will execute his will and cause his plans to prosper. The great revivalists throughout history, like A.A. A. Allen and Oral Roberts, Jack Coe and Catherine Kuhlman, were all constantly criticized. And in many ways, it seemed like it was never ending. But they never paid it any attention. They stayed focused on what truly mattered. This is one of the many reasons for their great success. They knew what they were called to do, and they walked in their calling, and they pushed past all the mindless criticism that sought to derail them from their mission. Another main reason that we shouldn't pay any attention to criticism is because in the majority of cases, it's done out of ignorance. People don't know what God told you to do. They don't know the mission that God has placed you on. And because this is the case, their criticism against you becomes baseless and meaningless. This is why it's so important 
that we stay focused and mission-minded, and that we confer not with flesh and blood. Let's go to Genesis chapter 37. In Genesis 37, beginning in the third verse, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Hear, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about it, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. In this chapter, we find a third reason why we shouldn't confer with flesh and blood. The Lord put a dream within Joseph's heart twice, and when he shared the dream with his brothers and parents, he became more hated because of it. Instead of celebrating his dream with him, his brothers despised his dream and despised him more because of it. There are a few lessons that we can gather from this chapter that are necessary for our study. The first lesson that we can gather from this chapter is that Joseph should have kept his dream a secret between him and God. The minute that he started to tell the first dream, he was conferring with flesh and blood. The real issue was that his brothers and even his parents didn't understand the meaning of the dream. So it just led to confusion and strife. The same can happen to us too, if we're not careful. Many times throughout our lives, God may give us a word or a prophecy or send us a dream. And these are great times in our lives. They're exciting times. And our excitement makes us want to share it with others. But when we find ourselves to be in this situation, the best policy is to keep what God has told us between us and God. When we go around spreading what God told us privately, it creates problems that weren't necessary. It opens the door for mocking, misunderstanding, hatred, confusion, and strife. God will still bring what he told us to pass if we keep it to ourselves. When God tells us something privately, he intends for it to stay private between you and him, unless he specifically told you to tell it to others. Otherwise, if this was the case, he would have told more people, or he would have told everyone. God is not limited to always speak on a one-to-one -one basis. He can speak to whoever he likes, whenever he likes. When God speaks to us individually, it's for a reason. Causing unnecessary confusion is another issue that arises from this. When Joseph was telling his dream, even he didn't understand its meaning or interpretation. And neither did his brothers and parents, which led to their being hatred and fighting. Then Joseph did the same exact thing with the second dream, which he also didn't understand the meaning or interpretation of. He should have kept the dreams that God gave him to himself. In doing so, he could have avoided a number of problems. 
Another lesson that we have to take from this chapter has to do with the hatred that Joseph received. Anytime you have a plan and a purpose for your life, anytime that God has placed a dream within your heart, you will be hated. The reason why this is, is because everyone is looking for these things. And if they don't yet have them, they start to hate us when it becomes evident that we do have them. We know that God has given us a plan for our lives. He has put a purpose within us. It's the reason why we get up each day and keep on going. And he has put a dream within our heart. We have aspirations and desires that we need to trust God to fulfill in his perfect timing. When this is the case, the world can't stand it because they know we have what they're missing and they don't know how to get it because they haven't yet come to Christ. Many times, we may even find that our fellow Christians show hatred towards us because of our dreams. The main reasons for this are envy and jealousy. They haven't brought their desires to God and laid out their heart before Him, so they hate us because we have. When we find that those around us, and even our own brethren, hate us because of the dream that we have, we can't allow it to get under our skin and drag us down. That's what the enemy wants. We instead have to push past the hate and do what God has called us to do and stand on what he has put inside of us, no matter what anyone else has to say about it. A third lesson that we can gather here has to do with what Jacob did. Verse 11 says, And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. His response is important. He didn't ignore the dream, and he didn't disregard it. He had to rebuke Joseph for telling it to everyone, but he still observed the saying. The word used for observed is the Hebrew word shamar, which means to keep, watch, or preserve. He was protecting and stewarding what he had heard. He was keeping the dream in his heart. He was discerning its meaning and interpretation. This was the only good that came out of Joseph telling his dream to everyone. And we need to do the same as Jacob. We need to observe the saying. We need to lay it up in our heart. Instead of telling everyone, we should write down what the Lord has told us and put within us. Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 2 through 3 say, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. It's important that we keep the things of God that he speaks to us secret and that we lay them up in our heart. Luke chapter 2 verses 17 through 19, referring to Jesus says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary did the same thing that Jacob did. They truly took in the word that they heard from God through others and meditated on it. We can't allow the enemy to steal our dreams. We have to be decisive and confer not with flesh and blood. Oral Roberts, the great revivalist, would never speak before going to a meeting. He wouldn't speak to his ministry team or even to his wife before service. He would go as far as to sit at a completely separate table than everyone else just to avoid the temptation of talking. He always wanted the last voice that he heard before meeting to be the voice of God. This is how he conferred not with flesh and blood. This is an extreme example 
but it shows us a practical example of conferring not with flesh and blood. It may not look the same for us, but the same concept should be there. Oral Roberts also said, there are three things that you need to do in order to be successful in the work of the Lord. It's important that we look at these three things individually. First, we need to find out the will of God. Lester Sumrall once said, if you want to know the will of God, read the word. If you want to do the will of God, do the word. This is the foundation. We have to know what the will of God is for our life. Second, we need to confer not with flesh and blood. If we ask people once you know what the will of God is for their advice, they will only try to talk us out of it. We have to stay focused on what we know is true, what we know is the will of God, and then do our job towards executing it. And thirdly, we need to get our job done at all costs. Once we know what God has called us to do, we need to use our sense of urgency to reach after, to claim it in faith, and to get the job done. Doing God's will must be our top priority. We need to make the choice today to put God's voice over all the other voices in our lives, and to listen to Him alone. When we do, we will be able to say with Paul, immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have given us a special purpose, that you have put a dream within our heart. And Lord, we thank you that you have made your will known to us, what we are to do, and what you would have us to do as your people. Lord, we open ourselves up to be of use in your service for your kingdom. And Lord, we ask that as we go forward in faith, that you give us the strength and the wisdom to not confer with flesh and blood, to not let what others have to say about it influence us, but that we stay listening to you alone for our mission, and that you give us the courage to press forward even when there's opposition in our way. Lord, we thank you that we will get the job done no matter what, and that endurance that we need, we can only find in you. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you're going to do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And Lord, for everyone all around the world listening today, Lord, we thank you for them. And we ask a special blessing on everybody listening today. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to confer not with flesh and blood and listen to God alone and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We also appreciate if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.